This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsey. Starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinsey. I'm happy to be joined today by Dan Reefer of the Dan and Mary Joe Show podcast and Fox 56 High School Sports Extra, which airs on Fridays at 10.40 p.m. Dan, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Evan. Here's a little story for my viewers real quick. Uh, I met Dan on Twitter when my podcast was just starting in 2017, and I asked him for some advice, and he invited me to come and watch him record the Dan and Mary Joe Show. And that meant a lot to me, and it was a great experience for me, and it taught me a lot. So, Dan, thank you so much for helping me when I needed it. I really appreciated it. Well, I, I hope whatever we did helped out in any way. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that uh, this continues for you. I hope uh, you keep it up and uh, get more listeners and, and keep going with this thing. Keep it rolling. Thank you. Um, okay, let's get started with the Kentucky and Kansas game on Saturday. Kentucky is coming off an impressive 76-55 win over number 22, Mississippi State, on Tuesday. What do you think about the game for the Cats? Well, I think already there's a mismatch uh, for in Kentucky's favor, and that's uh, the inside game mm-hmm. uh, with, with the two starters, Reed Travis and P.J. Washington, along with Nick Richards and E.J. Montgomery coming off the bench. I think Bill Self said uh, today, Thursday, uh, during his pregame press conference that he was most likely going to have a 6-4 guard on one of those those bigs, either P.J. or most likely P.J., mm-hmm. uh, because they don't have depth. You know, they lost Yudoka uh, Azabuke for the season, and that's really hurt Kansas's inside presence. They just don't have the bodies. They, they were putting a lot on him uh, to help them out inside. And with that, you know, Kentucky already seems to have an advantage over a lot of teams with, uh, with the depth it has inside. And then you add to that how well Tyler Hero and Kelvin Johnson have been playing of late. They seem to have fallen into their their roles uh, perfectly. They've, they, they understand what's being asked of them, and Kentucky is really clicking right now. Kansas... Uh, last Saturday, they lost uh, at West Virginia. That was West Virginia's first win in the Big 12. I think West Virginia was 0-5 before that win. So you you got to like uh, the way Kentucky's playing versus Kansas's vulnerability right now. Yudoka mm-hmm. um, has a bookie. I remember um, he was a big target for the Cats when he was uh, come out of high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a big loss for the uh, – Jayhawks, who's averaging 13 points a game to go along with seven boards. And, um, really, their inside presence right now is Dedrick Lawson, um, transferred yeah. from Memphis. He's their star player, averaging 20 and 11. Um, we're going to have to watch out for him. And another player to watch out for is LeGerald Vick, another um, UK target. Um, averages 15 points a game. Is shooting lots out from three-point range, 46%. Um, this is going to be a good game for the Cats. What is Vic? Is he a senior? Yeah. Vic, it feels like Vic's been there for four years. Yeah, he was the same class as Jamal Murray. Um, this, oh, okay. This is going to be a great game. Uh, Kansas is ranked ninth in the country. Cats are ranked eighth. Um, who do you think will be the 
star player for the Cats this game? Who's going to be the most important for a victory? Well, honestly, I think the most important Kentucky player every game is Ashton Higgins. He just what he does, he sets the tone. I think he's been the most important player uh, for this team uh, that's that's got them playing well. Like uh, ever since he started coming on and leading the way, everyone else has kind of just followed right behind him. He seems to be contagious. Yep. You go back to the, the that recent game where he yelled at Keldon right off the bat and said, hey, wake up, get in this game, we need you. Um, Keldon understood it, too. Keldon took it the right way, and uh, and that, that tells you something. That tells you that even though Ashton's just a freshman, that he's already become the leader. And the, the way he's playing and the example he's setting, how can you go out there and give anything less than what he's given when he's, he's putting it all out on the line? So... With him, he, he's number one, numero uno. If, he, if he's in foul trouble or or uh, if he's just turning it over way too much or something like that, whatever well, happens. But if for whatever reason, Emmanuel quickly has to play the majority of the minutes at the point guard position, I think that would be where Kentucky could find itself in trouble. But as far as the star of the game, that's what's been really nice about the way the team has come along is that uh, I think Kelvin is maybe averaging 15 or 14, and, and Hero is like 13 or 14, and PJ is like 11 or 12, and Reed's right around there. So you, you got four of those guys averaging, you know, between 11, 12, and 15, 16 points a game, which is what you want because, you know, if they tried to focus in and stop Kelvin Johnson, well, then you got Hero over here. Or if they try to stop the perimeter play, you've got the bigs. But you would think, with Kentucky's advantage inside, uh, this would be a P.J. Washington game, and he's just coming off that game against Mississippi State that seems like we're hearing nationally, anyway, on these broadcasts, that, and from John Calipari, that, that P.J. Washington should be putting up more points and, and rebounds. And just a matter of when he wants to do it, it, it seems like. And he sure did want to do it against Mississippi State. So we'll see if he wants to do it again against Kansas. You talked about Kentucky's depth. Um, they got nine deep uh, since Quade transferred out. They got Jermar Baker in the lineup. He's done some um, good work from three-point land, even though the percentages aren't in his favor. Um, but one of the interesting things is nobody on the team averages over 15 points a game. Keldon's the leader, and he only averages 14 um, but when you talked about the most important players, I think it's Ashton as well. He kind of reminds me of uh, similar of how Shea was last year. Um, he, yeah. Whenever he, they needed a bucket or needed a steal, he could go get it for them. Has a great wingspan like Shea. Um, and then uh, when we talk about the steals, he had a, a streak of three-plus steals in six straight games. That was getting a lot of attention. Had eight steals against North Carolina. He just playing great basketball. Yeah. And for the season, I think most people pro- projected quickly to be a, uh, the starter instead of Hagen's. Um, but he's really proved um, that he's the number one point guard in this team. Had nine assists last game against Mississippi State. I've really been impressed by his play. He doesn't score the ball a whole lot, but he hasn't since SEC play started. He's really turned that up. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do against Kansas. And when you talk about P.J., I think that he can do a lot more than he, he has been. I think it's only averaging 12. But last game against Mississippi State, he showed what that hop was about coming into the season, 21 points with four blocks. I think this game will 
be one between P.J. Washington and Ashton Haggins. If we can get some points from Tyler Harrow and someone else steps up, I think it's going to be a good night for the Cats. Yeah, you got to take that um, that game against Mississippi State. Had to be a bit of a confidence boost as well for, for P.J. Yeah. And Ben Howland, Mississippi State's coach, so the PJ looked like an all SEC performer out there, and that that stuff trickles back by you know by the time the coach says that and they interview PJ, you know the reporters bound to bring that up to him at, at some point, and you know that stuff will get back to him, and he'll you know it'll seep in a little bit, I would think, and that that confidence of the way he played uh, against Mississippi State, and then again with Kansas not having anybody except Dedrick Lawson really is a is a real presence of down low, a real threat to, to keep PJ in check. You know, if he if he does draw some more of that attention, then he can dump it off to Reed right there inside it. PJ's shown to be a, a good interior passer as well. Uh just his his post up game where he where he catches that ball on the block and he's able to to face and drive and hit that little floater. Uh, it's really good. And then of course he can bang down low as well. But I would imagine that that's where Kentucky will, will have its big day. But, you know, a couple of things that's happened recently with, with Ashton um, moving into the to that leadership role in his defense, it's kind of become contagious, that defense. Kentucky's, I think, four out of the last seven opponents have held them to under 40% shooting. Like, you know, they didn't let Mississippi State shoot anything. Mississippi yeah. State was awful shooting the ball. Kansas comes in. They, I think, are third in the Big 12 in field goal percentage, like 48.1% uh, per game shooting the ball. And Kentucky's even better than that. Kentucky actually shoots it at 48.6 or 8, something like that. Lead, maybe, I don't know if they lead, but top five SEC in field goal percentage. So that'll be a bit of a challenge um, because Kansas shoots the ball so well. But Kansas, unlike some of these other teams Kentucky's faced recently, is not a big three-point shooting team. Kansas averages about six, six or seven threes a game. I think, yeah, right around there. So um, don't look for Kansas to be jacking up a ton of threes against Kentucky. But to shoot such a good field goal percentage and, and not have Azabuki in there, you'd think some of that comes with uh, good guard play as well for Kansas. I think the main guy we're going to stop on the three-point line is Vic. He's had some really clutch shots yeah. here. Uh, if they can contain him, it should be good. But another player I think might have a good game is Nick Richards. You've seen uh, last yeah. year he had some games against against lesser opponents, but they were smaller. Uh, he had some really good games. And Kansas isn't very big, so we might be, a, be able to see a pretty good shot-blocking game or maybe some easy points in the paint. Um, but someone else we haven't been talking much about is Keldon Johnson. Uh, came into the season as the most having the most uh, NBA potential on the roster, but he has been greatly inconsistent the last few weeks after having a phenomenal start to the season. I think had 23 against Duke on the first game, um, but as he's been held under double figures in three of the last five games, but a few games ago I had 20 against Auburn. What do you think Keldon's going to yeah. do to get back on track? You know, Calipari keeps saying that it's about Keldon, you know, pushing uh, himself, like tr- trying too hard almost. Or he, I, I think it mostly seems like it has to do with Keldon understanding 
what Calipari is talking about, like how that translates on the court. Because Calipari will say, you know, lose yourself in the team. Don't worry about trying to get your buckets. And I think Kelvin's still trying to figure out, well, is this a good shot or is this me trying to get my own buckets? I, I, I can't figure out what you mean, coach, you know? Yeah. But as he figures that out and goes through it, I think Tyler Hero has learned more of that. I want to say in that mistake game, maybe one, two bad shots, um, or it used to be a lot more. I think Hero was taking a lot more bad shots. And uh, he was taking the most shots on the team. But he has definitely started to figure out what are good shots, what are bad shots, if he's uh, limiting those bad shots. I think that's what Kelvin is still trying to figure out. And the good news is is that the way Hero's playing and PJ's playing and Reed Travis is playing and the lift that the Kentucky's getting off the bench from Quickly and other guys is that it's okay if Kelvin what scores zero points in the Georgia game. They can still win. Um, it may not be okay against Kansas. I don't know. I, I mean, I could still see Kelvin Johnson not scoring and Kentucky beating Kansas, but hey, you, you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want to have to do that. But so I would, I would think that it's just a matter of him just continuing to play, trying to figure it out, figure out what the good shots are, what the bad shots are. And as long as he stays engaged, um, I think he'll, he'll come along just fine. You're talking about bad shots for Tyler Harrow. I remember in the Bahamas, he was shooting about every time he touched the ball, but most of the shots were going yeah. in. So I wouldn't, they were bad shots, but uh, they were good makes. Um, yeah. What do you think about the outcome of this game? Kansas has been challenged recently. Um, five of the last um, five of the last games um, been decided between nine points or less. I think this will be a close game. Who do you think will win this? Yeah, I think Kentucky wins it. I I would imagine that Kentucky will be about um, oh a five or a six point favorite maybe, mm-hmm. and uh, I would think that's about right. I could see Kentucky winning this by a couple possessions, uh, and then if you know it comes down to some free throws or something late, um, I like Kentucky there. That's one of the things Kentucky. I didn't really realize Kentucky gets to the free throw line like they make more free throws than our opponents even shoot. Like the the amount of free throw attempts and makes Kentucky has is just remarkable. And then flip side was looking at some numbers. Kentucky is uh, one of the the fewest uh, fouls. They're a team that fouls the fewest. Like Kentucky averages something like maybe sixteen personal fouls a game, and, and like maybe in the top 30, 35 in the country and, and fouls committed. And those both like lead the SEC. So when you're doing that, that's a good formula as well. Uh, but yeah, I like Kentucky to, to win this game um, just because they've, what they've shown recently, how they're playing. Yeah. And, and they know, they know what a stretch this was, how big it would be uh, to get these, these three wins in a row over ranked teams. And then on top of that with college game day and it being the primetime showcase, all that. Cause I remember Cal saying that that game against North Carolina, the players were like, okay, this is, this is our first chance since the Duke game to show that we're not that team. So we, we can't lose this. We got to show out. And I, I think they'll use this as an opportunity to, to show that they're back among the, the, the top 10 in the country. And everybody was one to freak out after the Duke loss, but it was just the first game for them. 
Um, the, the, yeah. the Bahamas tour, they it was there wasn't that much competition down there. It was professional teams, but they they couldn't compete with them. Um, I'm really shocked by how how well they've responded since then. I didn't know if this would be like the Nerlens Noel year or if this would be um, one of the better years, like the Jamal Murray and Tyler Eulis year. Um, but they've really uh, locked down and playing good team basketball. Um, I think I've been critical of John Calipari um, since he's been at Kentucky, but this has been one of his best coaching years, in my opinion. Um, it's looking really good for him. Well, you look at their offense and um... – you know, so I, I've been critical of his offense as well because it seems like he just throws a concept out there and then he expects the guys to just kind of, you know, make plays. And sometimes that is what happens, but you see what they run. You can see more of stuff that they're running that that is getting guys shots. And um, I always like to see that, of course. Um, but then when he has different players, you know, different teams, he, he may have them – you know, do it a little differently. Like he, 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 he does a good job of definitely figuring out what they need to do, but it all starts with defense. And that's where, that's where he's, he's got them playing well. They've moved up after that Mississippi state game, they moved up to 11th in the country in defensive efficiency in the Ken Palm rankings. And they are now overall efficiency. They are now in the top 10. They're number eight. Kansas is number nine. It's funny how it works out there. That's the rankings in the Associated Press poll and also the overall efficiency. But it, it's gone back. If you go back over uh, years and look at teams in the Final Four, usually three of those teams are, are always in the top 10 in either defensive or offensive efficiency. And and that, that's the way Kentucky's trending, so that's that's good news. Defense is definitely this team's calling card. Um, when you talked about free throws earlier, I was really surprised looking at stats this morning. They're shooting 75% from the line, which is good for any team. But normally Kentucky, yeah. they've been uh, under Cal Perry, have struggled at the line. Um, they're just yeah. really aggravating, frustrating whenever they miss the free throws, all that talent. But 75% for a team is really good. To not have really, um, other than Harrow, a great outside shooter, Quickly is okay, but seventy-five percent um, from the line is really good. And I'm, I was really shocked by that. Um, now let's go into NFL, the conference championship for this last weekend. There's been a lot of controversy and people talking about it. Um, two overtime games, which were great to watch as fans. Um, so yeah. in the NFC, the Rams won twenty-six to twenty-three over the Saints. Um, uh, the big controversy in that game was the missed passing interference call that potentially would have sealed the game for the Saints, could have ran the clock down, um, the chip shot field goal. Uh, what do you think about right. that game, and what were your takeaways? Well, that's it right there. That was my biggest takeaway. Like I, I, Clearly, you can play a whole game and, and look and point at all kinds of different plays that could have changed the game. Yeah, And that's true. And, you, you know, coaches will even say it to every play matters. That's why you know, you play an entire game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I can't deny that. A play here or there in another part of the game could have changed the game as well. But truth of the matter is, that's the game. At that time, in that moment, that's the game. That play at that time was the game. And not calling it, as clear as it was, that's what 
what kills me about it is everybody knows, everybody who watches football knows what that was. So how do the guys that are on the field officiating the game not be able to get that right? Especially in this day and age and the replay. And of course, you can't replay that, but my gosh, one of those guys had to have known that that, yeah. that was passing interference. So that just, it just ruined the game for me, really, because it was such a great game. And for it to come down to that, uh, just human error there on one of the officials, you know, I look at it the same way as if, you know, what if the Saints needed a touchdown to win that game, they threw it in the end zone, and uh, Michael Thomas drops the ball in the end zone. Yeah. Like, that would stink too, but it wouldn't stink as bad as the official blowing it, I guess is how I look at it. I would like to see them do something about it so that nothing like this happens again. I hate how replay slows down the game and takes momentum, especially the team's on a drive and they're rolling drives me nuts that you give the defense a break by going to replay over something. I would like to see them change it to where each coach maybe gets three challenge flags for the game, and it's up to you to use them. And the only the only things they replay uh, and review are, um, are scoring plays. They can review touchdowns on their own, but, the, but don't review anything else unless, unless the coach asks for a review. Each coach has got three challenge flags, and over the course of the game, that becomes part of the strategy. If you see an error that you think one of the officials made, you can call it for anything. I mean, you can do it for holding if you wanted to, because the fact of the matter would be that you would only have six total that a coach could, you know, either side could ever use. So you'd only stop the game six times outside of a scoring play to review. So I would like to see it that way. Then that leaves it in the coach's hands to say, ah, oh, should have saved one of those challenge flags. I guess unless you get a bad officiating crew that blows like 10 or 15 calls in a game, but you would think that wouldn't happen. Yeah. So I heard Chris Berman say on uh, ESPN that the CFL allows pass interference, uh, challenge flags to be thrown on pass interference. And of the 42 times that it happened in the CFL, 20 of them were overturned. Mm. I mean, that's almost half the time that the officials got it wrong. So everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. So officials are going to make mistakes. And I can, I can live with most of it. You know, those bad calls all throughout the game. But when it comes down to that, where you're talking about changing, what if Drew Brees goes on to win the Super Bowl and the MVP? That changes a man's legacy. Mm-hmm. And in the Saints, all those players, all those uh, – Super Bowl bonuses that they won't get now, it changes. Super Bowl is a big deal for guys who play that sport. I mean, so it changes a lot. It changes a lot for, for it to happen that way. And you said, so, go ahead. So I just, I just think I would like to see something change. Yeah. I would like to see them do something about it other than, well, it was a bad call. You should have made a play in the rest of the game. It's like that Cody Parkey Bears kicker. He doinks it off to the upright, and the Bears fans go nuts and booing him. Well, he made three field goals to get you in position to have a chance to get a field goal and win the game, too. So, but, you know, so, anyway, that's, that's my rant on that yeah. thing. Well, football is a flawed game. You can't get everything right, like you said. Um, one thing I like, uh, I heard this, I can't remember what show it was, but they said uh, reviewing pass interference under in the last two minutes i, I kind of like that one um you don't have to yeah. don't take out the entire game it just the last couple minutes really important time of the game you can check stuff out um and you were talking about how it changes um 
changes people's players' careers if they win the Super Bowl. Sean Payton uh, yeah. showed them two hundred fifty thousand dollars to motivate them. Uh, right. How they're going to uh, if they win Super Bowl, what they can get. Um, and it, it was a great year for the Saints and Drew Brees and Sean Payton. You can go down the list of all the great players. Michael Thomas being like their only real um, competent receiver. Uh, well, they had. I wish yeah. they had gotten Dez. I, I, I'm a Cowboy fan. I really wanted to see Dez show out and maybe get a Super Bowl. Um, it just sucks that he uh, went down in practice pretty much. I think it was the first day. Yeah. That just that sucks. Yeah, that is, but, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Probably got a good pray check, though, for one practice. I, um, to be pretty. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was just a, gr- a good game. It looked like the Saints were going to win it, but the Rams, they went fighting back, got down, kicked a Zerline, kicked a good field goal, and overtime it was just – yeah. It was a great game. Um, now going over to the AFC, the Patriots won 37-31 uh, over the Chiefs in overtime. Um, Brady threw for 348 yards, making throw after throw down the stretch. Uh, had a huge completion to Gronk. Set up the game-winning run by Georgia, former yeah. running back Sonny Michelle. Um, Brady looked great. Looks like he's got a few more years left. What did you think about this game? Yeah, he's unreal. I mean, you just knew when the Patriots were getting the ball to in overtime that that was that was game. Yeah. <laughs> you knew that was it. Um, I mean, I'm you know give a lot of credit to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for you know sending it to overtime after that big drive by Brady. Uh, they didn't have much time left to do what they did, and I, that's another game where it was a great game. Uh, loved it and. But that's another game where um, it made me think, yeah, I, I would like to see uh, the NFL change its overtime rule, too. But, but, you know, of course you say you put the defense out there. It's up to the defense to stop them. But, yeah, there's something about the two-minute drill with these, these teams, though. They're able to just, you know, just do a whole lot better moving the ball down the field. I, I would just like to see each team, you know, get it once before – before you say that's that's ball game, I've heard a bunch of different theories, like uh, doing it where instead of playing a, an entire period, you just put the ball at the fifty, and whatever happens from there, the next team gets the ball to fifty, and then that's that. Yeah. So, but then you don't want to. I would. I don't like that as much because I don't want to see it go on to like seven overtimes or something in the NFL. You just can't do that. <laughs> So I would probably prefer to see just, you know, each team gets one possession. A defensive score ends it uh, immediately, but one team, each team gets one possession, and then whatever happens after that, that's that. And I don't think they're going to extend the game any because that cuts in the prime time. Uh, the fans want to see it, but the networks don't really want that to happen. Um, and then there yeah. another controversial call whenever Julian Edelman um, – there was the return, and you didn't know if he touched it. The right. one on the the ruling on the field was that he touched it, um, and then but then they didn't have indisputable evidence. But that should have been Chiefs ball because they couldn't. I mean, I thought so. If you called it on the yeah, I mean, if you called it on the field, it looked like that it was close enough that it touched his thumb that you could say either it it could have touched his thumb or maybe it didn't. Mm-hmm. But if you called it on the field, I don't think that it. But anything there said, no, but absolutely didn't touch his thumb. Yeah. Right. So, 
Yeah, it was. But that's one of those where, to me, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as in the Saints game, you know, because it was one of those things. Well, well, it could go either way. It's hard to say but on the Saints game. There was no question. Yeah, that, 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 if you allow defensive backs to destroy the receiver before the ball gets there, then you wouldn't be able to complete any passes. Yeah, and he even said it. It was a pass interference. Like they, the refs right. were the only ones who didn't see it. Like it was crazy. Yeah, but. I think and the good news is though the go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I just gonna say the good news is, is I saw uh, something that the Patriots in their Super Bowls, like all of them have been within eight points. Yeah, that's like they've all the ones that have been you know Brady. Their their previous eight Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick have been decided by eight points or less, and you've got like an overtime thrown in there and. So that's the good news, is that we get a good Super Bowl. We should. We should get, you know, if we get a Super Bowl that's within one score, that's that's a winner right there. And Colin Cowherd today said that uh, the average was three. So that's that's crazy, too. Um, and my, yeah. One of my biggest takeaways to the game was Rob Gronkowski looked pretty good. Um, I don't think a lot of <laughs> yeah. Von Gronk this year, he's washed, he's done for. But he's one of the greatest tight ends you've ever seen in the game. Showed he can still catch with the best of them. I think everybody knew who Brady was going to throw to. It uh, It was third and ten. You know Gronk was going to get that pass um, and caught it. Yeah. He had he had one drop that should have been a pick six, but that was brought back due to the penalty in the neutral zone on the Chiefs. But that was a huge that was a huge break for the Patriots. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, but that 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 one really hurt for him. Uh, but uh, Gronk, even when he wasn't catching great, he'd been blocking amazing all year. Um, but just really showed he still had those great hands on Sunday when they needed it the most. Um, and something else. Yeah, he's instant Hall of Famer right yeah, there for sure. Uh, another thing that I think was the biggest factor in the Patriots winning was the how they dominated time possession. They didn't let Patrick Mahomes and Andy Andy Reid's offense get on the field. Uh, it was forty four minutes of twenty one minutes in time of possession, roughly. Uh, that's that's just crazy. How it's one of the most lopsided time of possession games in history, and it was only decided by six points. That's that just shows how great that offense was this year, and um, but how bad their defense was got their defensive coordinator fired. Well. It tells it tells me how great Bill Belichick is that when that game that first half they had Mahomes had a I think a forty two yard completion to Tyreek Hill and and for the rest of the the first half all the Chiefs plays combined got a total of negative ten yards they had thirty two yards in the first half and forty two of them came on that play so that tells you that Bill Belichick figured out how to stop that offense for a half. And then clearly Andy Reid and company went in at halftime and figured out a, a counter to that. But they were they were stymied in the first half, and that's, that's a big part of why they won that game. Um, uh, that first half had uh, the Chiefs scoreless, and the Patriots had a 14-point lead. They could have been more if not for that interception. That interception in the end zone was huge in the first half for the Chiefs, or else it would have been 21 nothing. But yeah. Yeah, if you if you go beat a team that has a high powered offense like that, you've got to figure out a way to do what you said, keep them off the field, and Belichick got it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people say that the 
Patriots are a, uh, a system. I know they're just out. They're just smarter than everybody else. They just know how to. Uh, they outwit you. They figure out ways to stop you. Belichick. Belichick is a defensive head coach, and he knows exactly what to do. Yeah. And um, McDaniel's knows exactly what to do on the offense. And they got Brady. Um, it's just hard to stop. And uh, another guy who looked great was Julian Edelman. Uh, had seven receptions, yeah. ninety-six yards. What? He's a he's a great slot receiver. Um, and then uh, he's a competitor. Yeah, he looked like a future Hall of Famer as well. Um, I, a, there's a few future Hall of Famers that went, went through there on uh, the Patriots. Ninkovich, Gronk will be one. Edelman, um, yeah. Brady, Belichick. I, I, I'd say McDaniel's will be a Hall of Famer. He'll probably get a head coaching gig one day. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah, he it, it, well, he took what job? He took the job somewhere and then said, "No, I'm gonna stay." It was Colts. Didn't he? He took. Yeah, he took the Colts job and then turned around and went back. Yeah. Um, previewing next weekend, Super Bowl. We got pa- Patriots and Rams. Like I said, Sunday, February third. In Atlanta, Georgia, uh, I I wish we could go down there. That'd be awesome. It's not it's not too far. I'd say that uh, can't get a ticket to it, but it'd still be cool to be there to just to see the festivities. Um, the Patriots are too. It would be yeah. Yeah, it's like the Final Fours in Indianapolis. We we went up there to just see the fe- festivities and it was awesome. We got to see a practice, which was cool too. Um, but in this game, the yeah. Patriots are a two and a half point favorite. Um, they've been the underdog in the playoffs so far. What do you think about this game? Well, I look at uh, what the Bears did to the Rams, you know, back in the regular season, and then showed kind of how to how to slow the Rams down and uh, keep that offense from from just killing you. And after seeing what the Patriots did to slow down the Chiefs. I mean, I like the Patriots. I like the, you know, Belichick again to have a plan to keep the Rams in check there for most of the game. I'm sure the Rams will get it going. They're just too powerful, it seems like. And it's also not, you know, a cold night in Chicago. This game will be played, obviously, indoors. So it'll be a little different that way. But, um, and then Gurley, I got to think he's been a little banged up. Something's got to be bothering him. I don't, I don't think that, uh, it was just a, matter of him not playing well. I think there's something there. But, you know, two weeks off, maybe he's a little bit better after that. But uh, I like the Patriots. I just I don't know how you go against them. It's hard to go against them after seeing what they've done um, all these years and then to, to be back in it again. And, uh, you know, the Rams are exciting. I think it'll be an exciting game. But, uh, yeah, I, I see the Patriots coming out of this one. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't pick it against Brady and Belichick. Um, yeah, th- I think this game, I'm picking the Patriots, but it's, it's a toss-up. It could go either way. Um, and he, a lot yeah. of it relies on Todd Gurley. Uh, maybe Todd, uh, uh, Sean McVay can get some surprise plays in there, but the Patriots definitely will too. I, I can't remember. They said they put in some new plays on Sunday that morning in the hotel. The Patriots did. Um, I can't remember how many Jeez. plays they put in, but that that's crazy <coughs> in plays on game day um, in the AFC Championship game. But I think a lot of this relies yeah. on Gurley and his health. But C.J. Anderson's been great. Uh, killed my cat. He has. 
I was so de- so <laughs> upset over that one. See, but he was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, there's definitely something up with Gurley. I don't think you set the best, either the best or second best running back in football uh, in the conference yeah. championship on the way to Super Bowl. Um, if there's nothing, if there's uh, nothing wrong, um, and then. I, Jared Goff, he looks a lot. He looks like he could be a younger version of Brady. He's looking really good. Um, his first year wasn't great, but not not many quarterbacks have a great rookie year. Um, he's been shown some improvement. I'm looking forward uh, to seeing what he has in the future. Um, and one one thing I saw that was interesting was the 57 point over under. What what is your uh, thoughts on that? I, I think that's too much. Because <laughs> I think what's going to happen is that, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to uh, find a way to, to put pressure on golf and, and keep that offense in check. I just don't see uh, this being like a, you know, 30-27 game. I mean, it could be a 30-27 game, but that's about it. You know, that is the limit that I think it would be. Uh, like, you know, 31-28, 30-27, right in there. But I'd I'd like it better to be more like, you know, twenty-eight, twenty-four. I think it, I think it's right. I mean, that's a good call. I mean, Vegas obviously knows what they're doing. So that's why that's why they said fifty-seven. Because I think it's right. That's right about where it should be. I I don't. This is this isn't going to be Chiefs and Rams. It's not going to be a super high-scoring game. This is going to be um, a tough, grinded-out football game. It's going to be low-scoring. Um, both have great defenses. Uh, Aqib Tlaib looked great last week. They have Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue looks looks been really, really yeah. good in the playoffs. And Donald wasn't that good last week. I was kind of surprised that um, he didn't have that much of an impact. But I think they they were doubling him. But Donald, great defensive player. Him and Khalil Mack, in my opinion, are two best defensive players in the football. Um, just yeah. this should be a great game. I'm picking the Pats, um, but it could go either way. Okay, now going into the NBA. That's my favorite. Um, looking, yeah. looking down the road. There's the Bucks and Raptors are one and two in the East, and the Warriors and Nuggets are one and two in the West. Um, lots of happening this season. Lots of storylines. Uh, James Harden looking great, looking like MVP. I don't think he really has any competition other than maybe Steph. If LeBron comes back really well, maybe. But right now, Harden's running yeah. away with it. It just all depends on whether uh, how Chris Paul and Capella play when they get back. But um, 61 on the Knicks, that's crazy. I, I know the Knicks aren't uh, aren't a top-tier team, but he's without all the all the players. And um, Who's number two is Eric Gordon, who's shooting like 30% from three this year. I, I, it's crazy he's carrying them like that. And um, But... Lots of storylines this year. Well, uh, what's your take on the NBA so far? Well, I, I wonder about uh, the East first because you know the Bucks have played so well, and so have the Raptors. But I just, I just had this feeling like it's to the Celtics or the Seventy Sixers are going to jump up there and 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 grab the East. It, yeah. it all kind of depends on how you know Jimmy Butler comes back. But I don't know if you watched that Sixers game. Wednesday night, but yeah, uh, they were down like eight, and but Simmons was on the bench, and Embiid was on the bench, and there was like three minutes to go. Both of them came back in, and they just 
it turned it on like it was nothing. Like, yeah, we were resting for the last few minutes so that we could go ahead and win the game. And that JJ um, beating the Spurs. That you see the yeah. point play. Oh gosh, that was crazy. Yes, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you take Simmons and Embiid, and you know TJ McConnell gives them good minutes, and um, JJ Redick being able to hit the three like that. Uh, see how Jimmy Butler fits in. I mean, if he if he fits right and doesn't be a problem like he has been, you know, everywhere else. I like them because uh, I, I don't know if the Bucks can do it in a seven game series to get to the finals. I, I don't know. Uh, Toronto obviously is, you know, got Kawhi Leonard now, and and they don't have the Cavaliers and LeBron James in their way. So. But they also don't have Dwayne Casey as their coach. So, so I don't know. I think the East is going to be um, interesting to see how that shakes out. And then the West is just ridiculous. I mean, you look at – we are talking last night about Jamal Murray. When you look at his numbers and what he's doing, and they're wondering whether he could be an all-star because the West is so loaded with all-stars, there might not be enough room to include him as an all-star. But the Nuggets are one of the top two teams in the, in the West. How do you not? How do not have Jamal Murray as one of those guys? Um, the Nuggets, what they're doing is amazing. And uh, that dude they got, what's his name, Joker? Yeah. Uh, Djokovic, yeah. He's, he's, he's unreal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is unreal. There's about five or six guys who could potentially be all-stars in the West that won't be because it's so stacked this year. Uh, and um, I, yeah. Kuzma on the Lakers – he could be an all-star this year. He's averaging 19. He won't even get any consideration. Um, and uh, he's not great, but he's he's has an all-star caliber year. Mike Conley, he's not going to get any love for that. Uh, who else? Yeah. Uh, there's, it's just a crazy year. I don't think w- Wiggins has been good. Towns have been. I don't know if Towns is even going to make it. Towns have been really good this year. Right. Um, and the East. Yeah. Uh, just, the Boston. Boston's got the most talent. I like what they've been doing with Hayward, bringing him off the bench. Uh, but Ron's yeah. not in the way, so uh, it's it's open for anybody. The Pacers were a top-four team, but now Oladipo's out, so it looks like you can scratch him off. Still going to make the playoffs, but um, it's just not going to – Yeah, as soon as he went down, yeah. If, unless, unless there's a trade that happens. Uh, they got Tyreek Evans who can fill the void. He did really good last year, but they didn't make a trade – uh, get back in, so they don't want to make anything happen. Um, but I wouldn't do that, uh, just just cause you be playing without your best player. Not smart to do. Um, but yeah. in the West, I, I'm. It's either to me, it's either the Celtics or the Raptors because I don't really trust the Sixers. I know Simmons is great and everything, but that's lack of jumper yeah. thing with Giannis. It's it just yeah. I, I just don't trust it. Uh, Embiid's been great. Butler can carry a team. Um, it just the East has been the top the top four in the East this year has been better than it's been in a long time. And um, I think the semifinals yeah. semifinals in the East might be better than semifinals in the West this year. Um, it looks like well, I don't have any confidence. I don't have any confidence in any team beating the Warriors in a seven game series. The only team I would I would love. Put up against them would be the Lakers with LeBron James and Rondo, yeah. just because of LeBron and Rondo. They call him Playoff Rondo. I know he doesn't like to hear that, but Playoff Rondo is different. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's the 
game so well to put his mind together with LeBron's mind and LeBron's will to win. Um, uh, that's the only the only way I see it. I mean, the, the Rockets with Harden getting Capella back and Chris Paul, that, yeah, you know, I think I'd give them a tough series, but still, you're talking about Cousins and Durant and Draymond and uh, <laughs> Steph and Clay, and I just... I don't see. It's so hard for a team like the Sacramento Kings that have been coming on and playing well. They can't make any hay because they've there's too many good teams. They've got to knock heads up again. Or uh, it's been impressive to see what the Nuggets have done, though. No doubt about that. To see how they've risen up and moved in there. Well, the Jazz are good too. But you know, what 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 are they going to do when you got the Warriors sitting there in the way and you got LeBron in your uh, side now in your conference? Yeah, and uh, another thing with the Nuggets, they have Isaiah Thomas too. Nobody's thinking about that. Isaiah Thomas has been injured. He's about to yeah. back. He might. It, I don't know if he, I don't think he'll be Boston Celtics Isaiah, but he'll be something. Um, uh, when we talk about the Lakers, that's my team. Love the Lakers. Been been with them for a while. Um, I think I think they're going to the conference finals uh, unless they have to meet the Warriors before the conference finals. I don't think. No, I don't think anybody's going to stop LeBron yeah. in the West. I think they can get, go to seven games, maybe, but I'm I'm not picking anyone over LeBron in the West. Um, no, and especially Rondo. I think if they can stay healthy, they I think if they could go six games to the Warriors. I think I don't think they beat them, but I think you can go six. Um, put, put up a good fight. Yeah, they, they'll show the free agents what they want to see, and maybe we can do something next year, but. Um, it's it's going to be awful right now. Uh, Rondo might be back tonight, um, and LeBron might be back Tuesday. I'm having a podcast with the Laker reporter on Monday. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and then we just lost Alonzo, yeah. my favorite player, for four to six weeks, which really hurts. Alonzo's been playing some really good basketball lately. Um, he yeah. he he's he reminds me he's he's the player that. Uh, you need on your team. He's the the Draymond. He's the um, I'm trying to think some other player. He's like Jason Kidd. He's, he he doesn't score the ball, but he makes the winning plays. He does what you need. Um, and he gets a yeah. lot of criticism because of his dad. But Lebr- Lonzo's a uh, good good player. I'm excited for his future. And uh, he way he, if he didn't have this injury, I think he'd be all NBA defense. He's he's played so well defensively this year. Um, it just it just hurts that he's gonna be out this long. Yeah, but yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if uh, they'll be able to work out something and get Anthony Davis away from the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe I don't think it'll happen this year. Uh, Pelicans are gonna be stuck yeah. about it. Uh, but maybe maybe this summer something work out. Um, mm-hmm. and one yep. more thing. Uh, what's your finals prediction? NBA finals. Yep. Oh gosh! Well, I gotta, I gotta go Warriors on the West. I think they're gonna get there again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the East, I'm not taking the Bucks. Uh, oh, I want to say Toronto, but the gosh, they've fallen short so many times. But Kawhi is yeah. such a killer, and he's been out four straight but, games called a rest. That sounds a little bit like San Antonio. I'm not. I don't think, <laughs> yeah. but it sounds a little bit like it, and yeah. I don't trust Lowry either. But yeah, I'm putting uh, I'm putting Toronto out. 
So I think it's either the Sixers or the Celtics. And with Jimmy Butler being like too much of a wild card, you don't know, I'll go Celtics. I'll go Celtics, Warriors, and then the Warriors in probably five. That that sounds about right. Uh, but the Sixers, my, yeah. you never know. Last year, they it looked. I didn't know if they were going to make the playoffs or not. But uh, around March, they picked up Ilyasova and Bellinelli, and they changed this team completely. Um, they might they might get in that uh, in that again. Maybe get. I don't know. If, I don't think Marco Fultz will be anything this year. But if somehow someone no. he hap- it happens, uh, they could be. Looking pretty good, but uh, it's not looking good for him. But uh, yeah. Dan, yeah. thanks again for coming on. Really good show. Um, glad we got to talk uh, some Kentucky and Kansas. Really good talking about my Lakers. Um, yeah. So thanks again for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Hey, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. So thank you very much. We can do it again sometime. Okay, sounds good. Uh, this has been my interview with Dan Reefer on the Ball Talk Pod. You can check out all of our episodes on our website, www.balltalkpod.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, and all our social media outlets. Thank you.